with the volume. Sorry, it's not you, it's me. My sound. And I was I was I was blaming you. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it hasn't done that before. So apologies to everybody for the, the weird mix up on sound and welcome to another chat about beer basically. Um I think this will be a good one because I have with me Keith Yeager from well from at the moment from Crosside Brewery Crosside Owl Brewery in right. Alabama. Um, but you have a long, long history of brewing down, down in Alabama, I think. Yes, You're... true. Um, yeah, so maybe, maybe what we could do is, um, yeah, maybe you want to give us a, a bit of your background because you're not from Alabama originally. No, I, uh, I moved from Pennsylvania, which is on the on the east coast, uh, about uh, to 1993. I started home brewing in 1996. And I didn't start professional brewing until 2010. Okay. And okay. So what were you doing in between 1996 and 2010 then, I guess? Well, graphic designer, which I still do a little bit of that, but uh, a lot of home brewing, that's for sure. <laughs> and, <laughs> so, and then in 2010, uh, a few uh, uh, friends of mine got, we got together and uh, decided we wanted to open a brewery. This was, you know, this was on just when crap beer, well, craft brewing was really new in, to Alabama because there were a lot of laws that prohibited uh, brewing. In, you know, we didn't, we weren't allowed to have beer over six percent alcohol even. So, um, okay. w- once the once those laws went away, we were able to we had a little bit of freedom. and We decided to to move forward. Yeah, because that's something like looking at from the outside. You know, I mean, obviously, craft brewing kind of America that, and you forget about the the regional differences sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah. What it is, so. So it's basically 2010. You were allowed to start commercially craft brewing, and you were you jumped in then and, and founded. Brewing, right? Correct. Yeah, we were one of the first. We were not the first, but we were one of the handful of fir- first breweries in Alabama. Um, and I think we were actually we were surprised that we thought we were going to be the first one in Huntsville. Uh, that's not 100% true. There was a small brewery in Huntsville, but they weren't making very good beer at the time. But uh, we thought we were going to be the first brewery in Huntsville, and then two others beat us to the punch. Oh, so, man, when there, we all opened within about, uh, within about, I guess, six months of each other. So, and what, what was the beer scene like there then, just before you opened it? Was it all kind of Budweiser macros, or were there you getting a lot of beer? macros? You know, there were so the, 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 there, there's Huntsville's fairly cosmopolitan. So there's a lot of people from all over you're not, you know, there's even people from Germany that live here. So we had some decent, a decent, semi-decent beer selection, but nothing like you could get in California or even Pennsylvania or anything like that. And the laws, you know, prohibited over 6% alcohol. So even though you'd find a few every now and then there were six and a half percent that somehow made it, made it through, um, you know, a lot of it was just Sam Adams, but, you know, for for the real real old timers might remember Pete's Wicked Ale and and, and that sort of thing. We and we had some imports, but uh, but it was fairly vanilla, which is what I got into why I got into homebrewing in the first place because I come from Pennsylvania and um, and we did have more breweries uh, uh, back in, in in a lot better beer selection back then. So, right. um, and that's one of the reasons why I got into craft 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 in homebrewing and then right. eventually craft brewing and. Was, was there a big home brewing scene there then? So it was also in, in Alabama, un, unbeknownst to me, 
uh, homebrewing was illegal. So I kind of like to think that I was a pirate at the same time, you know, an outlaw. Uh, and uh, we didn't, I had, there was even a homebrew, couple of homebrew shops in Alabama and people were homebrewing that didn't realize what the law was. And my mom is the one who bought me my first homebrew kit. And uh, so uh, she brought it from Pennsylvania and here I am brewing in my, my little apartment. Had no idea I was breaking the law at the time. Yeah. But, sure. uh, yeah, stupid law anyways, but. Yeah. And how's anybody going to know? Like, they're not going to yeah. come in every apartment. So it's, no. it's, I never had know. any problems, but, you know. All right. And um, you were brewing what, I suppose, gin, just generally IPAs or? So, no, I was really always interested in European styles. Not that I didn't brew a lot of IPAs, but uh, I really enjoyed um I enjoyed German, Belgian styles, um, you know, and then and then once I got out to the West Coast and really got to try a lot of the IPAs, um, you know, then I did brew, start brewing a, a lot more IPAs. But um, I, I've, I've been interested in, you know, just all kinds of beer styles, but definitely European. Right. And were you brewing for yourself or like? I was brewing mostly for myself, but it, 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 it was... It was large. I had a pretty large. It was. It was probably illegal, it, it, even on uh, even on you know national standards. You know, wait. It's like it's supposed to be able to do two hundred gallons a person or something like that. And I was probably over that. A lot of it got dumped just because. Not even even if it was good, I was still dumb because I had something else fresh coming in. And once it got out of control, that's when I realized that I just probably needed to go professional with it. So. Right. And how did that happen then? I mean, what? what what did you do that, you know, did you wake up one day and say, that's it, I'm packing well, I, the job and... I had worked for the, uh, I had worked for the newspaper here in Huntsville for about 15 years and it just so happened that uh, I got a buyout from them thanks to, uh, thanks to eBay and Craigslist and everything, you know, I ran the newspaper out of business. And so I got a, a nice buyout and, uh, and like I said, a couple of, a couple of people that I knew were looking for a brewer and, uh, course i had no idea what i was doing i didn't really know what i was doing we were home i was a home brewer trying to start a craft brewery and uh while i had the knowledge on how to make good beer i had no idea about equipment or anything so it was a steep learning process and we we started off as just a big home brewery uh making uh hobbled together a bunch of 55 gallon um uh, tanks together and made what was almost a three barrel brew house um but you know, started really small and and thankfully uh i don't toot my my horn too much but thankfully i can make some good beer <laughs> and so we got a lot of we, we garnered a lot of attention and um and a lot of interest and we were able to build from there and since then i mean i've brewed from everything from you know the 55 gallon setup to uh rigged up dairy tanks to a, a 30 barrel steam jacketed internal calandria you know, I've, I've, I've done the whole, the whole gamut and now I'm back down to kind of brewing on what's, what's a big homebrew system again. <laughs> and I like it. It's a real, it's actually really fast and fun. Uh, it's, if anybody's familiar, homebrewers are familiar with the brew in the bag. This is almost like a brew in a bag, but, uh, or like a Brewzilla or the Anvil. It has a, a large stainless canister that pulls out of the mash and, and, uh, and so it's not a traditional, two vessel brew house or three oh, vessels, even three. So, so it's interesting, um, but it's very fast and one person can run it. So um, I've been enjoying it. 
Right, and that's. Um, do, do you call it cross-eyed owl or XEO? Because it's you have cross-eyed owl. Now I didn't come up with the names and everything. I just bought the brewery, but it's cross-eyed <laughs> owl. Like the original, uh, the original founder um, wanted to make a pub feel something that was uh, more of an English-style pub, um, and it's, for whatever reason, he didn't he didn't have English-style beers, very many of them, but. And uh, and so he came up with the name. He had de- he had designed the original logo. The logo has since been changed. And um, I actually started working here about a year ago. Um, and then uh, I bought the company literally a month ago. So, um, but it is cross-eyed owl. That's right. Okay, because yeah, because the website was XEO, and uh, I was, yeah, and so you the could what it means. You could figure out. And it sounds better than CEO brewing. <laughs> CEO brewing doesn't sound great at all. <laughs> yeah. By the way, um, just I'll interrupt you there. We have a few people actually watching at the moment. So if you want to say hi in the comments or ask any questions, please yeah. do. Um, cool. And we'll, we'll try and answer them. So maybe before we, we go to Crossside, I will be, go back a little bit. So you had Yellow Hammer. Like yeah. you said, it slowly grew. Were you selling only in, like, did you have a tap room or were you selling? Well, tap rooms were illegal in Alabama at first. Um so once we got a tap room, it changed a lot of things. I mean, it changed. Uh, we were actually we could. I'm not gonna say we were profitable, but we weren't we weren't hemorrhaging as bad as we were before because tap room in Alabama. The Alabama doesn't make it easy for breweries to make money because uh, we have to go through the three tier system. And um, so to, the only way to really make the, the only way to make money is either to get really really big. So that so you know, so that you can skim off your pro, your your tight profit margins, or to sell beer at your tap room. And so once we did open a small tap room, um, which was it was uh, I guess four years into it, three or four years into it, once the laws changed, we were able to uh, pay ourselves a little bit and that sort of thing. So not a lot, <laughs> but a little bit. Yeah, well, I very rarely hear a brewer say that it's you know that they're making a fortune on it. Right? No, it's, it's not a not a money making venture. No. <laughs> it's a beer making venture. <laughs> uh, just to mention there, you mentioned this three tier system. I'm not familiar. Uh, yeah, I only so, came across that there's some very weird rules. Yeah. So this uh, three tiered system is I can't sell directly to uh, a restaurant. I have to okay. go through the second tier i'm the producer the second tier is the distributor they take it collect the taxes and they make money off it's it it's unfortunately yeah. just the way the laws are and the, not all not every state some states allow self-distributing alabama does not we'd like to change that <laughs> no because I, I did come across something recently which really struck me as weird because obviously you know everywhere has distributors for where you can't reach that but that you're kind of tied into I don't know if this is the case in Alabama or not, but some places you're tied into a distributor and you can't get rid of them. And that's right. Yeah. Um, it's, so once you sign, once you sign the distributor, they take over. They they, they own your brand in the territory and that territory. And right. so it's It's not possible to get. It's not possible to get away from them, but it's not easy. And so they have to really mess up, and then you have to. And they have a lot more money than the breweries have because they're right. going selling Budweiser and everything else. So, uh, so once you, you pick your distributor, choose wisely because you're going to be stuck with it. It's going to be a marriage. So. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's a that 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 can't be easy. I mean, I, I was amazed when I read it, but um, anyway, I it's stupid. I'll, I'll tell you, it's really dumb. 
I was trying to be polite there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be polite. It sucks. <laughs> so you're still stuck with that kind of distributor system, and yeah, today, okay, yeah. Well, you know, so we have a Brewers Guild. So, um, we, you know, we, sh I would, I think, at some point in time, it's possible we may be able to change it. But okay. I actually like my distributor. Good. <laughs> so if we're watching. We're buddies. And is it true then you have your tap room has to buy from the distributor or something? No, like? that is not true. They, okay. they tried to pass that law, um, but yeah, we fought. That's that one that of the was, things about having the guild is that we were able not. So that would really be difficult. That, that, that was going a step too stupid. Like. Yeah, yeah. That they they wanted to do it that way. I mean, that's what the distributors, their lobbyists, really wanted it to be that way. But thankfully, it's not. Right. Anyway, so um, yeah, so so getting out of that um, so yeah, so Yellowhammer was set up. It was going along, like you said, started to make yeah. some problems with the tap room and, and you, yeah, what we you built, we got a, we got a, you know, I don't want to, you know, I'm not with Yellowhammer anymore and it was okay, not an yeah. amicable split up. I'll just say right. that, okay. uh, but uh, we, we were able to get uh, a, a, a one in particular investor. Who, and, and once we got that investor, we were able to uh, um, build a, a production facility that is what they have now and it, and it, it's fairly nice it's not a bad production facility it's pretty good actually um and it's got a really nice it's got a nice tap room so um, okay yeah and then okay so let, let's bring it back to today so so then you 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 worked with other breweries for a while and yeah. then you ended up in i bounced around at a bunch of different breweries um luckily i i, I uh the interesting thing for me for my me personally is graphic design, which is what I'm a train. I'm a trained graphic designer is what I do. It's, you know, there's, there's not as much of a market for that. Everybody can be a desktop publisher now, you know? So I stuck yeah. with graphic design. My wife is an engineer. So of course she makes the money. <laughs> so, uh, so she, you know, I, so I've been able to bounce around a few different little breweries and I uh, learned, actually learned a lot. Uh, you know, you think, you know, all, uh, you, you think, you know, all of this, but every time you go to a different brewery, you learn something new. And so it actually has made me a better brewer. And uh, I actually worked for one of our, our competitors, Yellowhammer's competitors, uh, Straight to Ale. I worked for them for, them for you know, several months and ran their, their brew house uh, with uh, their head brewer. And, um, and then I went down to Mobile and brewed down. That was during COVID, so that was a mess. Um, and I came back here and I brewed for another brewery called Rocket Republic. And then I, and then I started at Cross-Eyed Owl. Um, so that's five breweries. I only shut two of them down. <laughs> <laughs> that's something to put on the record, right? That's not bad. That's something to, to broadcast to the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, but um, okay, I, I don't know where to take back from that one, but I'm um, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, so you want to? you said that you learned a lot. Is that like was that just from the people, or was it like different equipment? Yeah. A lot of it is equipment. Um, you know, working on different equipment makes you makes you a better brewer because it gives you a, a different approach. To, um, for instance, I I had never worked on a, 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 an internal calandria before with with and straight down internal calandria, which is you know it's all uh, in steam jacket and there. And I had never worked on a system that big. Plus, I had a really uh, massive uh, augering system that had that was able to count out pounds of grain from their uh, from their um, silos so that was really interesting um, and uh, and of course you know what we have here is nothing we're, we're nowhere near that that large at cross-eyed owl 
it's all done manually. But um, and it's just understanding how the equipment works. And of course, on the other, on the flip side, um, homebrewing gives you, a, you know, people who who have homebrewed for years and years and years are also able to kind of rig ideas together to make 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 uh, your operation work. That I think the people who just come off the street and jump into a brewery and, and trained by the breweries, they don't have that that advantage. Um, so I mean, it works both ways. Um, and you know, there's a lot of people who you know work at breweries that you know had never experienced that you know that they, they've never experienced actually making beer before, and that was their, that's their first job. So you know, uh, in, in the brewing industry, so it, it does help to come from a, a home brewing background. Um, so especially if you can marry both of them together, I think it, it makes you a pretty good brewer. And you're saying like cross-eyed owl then. So where does that sit now? It, it's let me. I'm. I'm going to mispronounce Decatur or Decatur. Yeah, that's right. That's Decatur. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Decatur is a, a growing uh, a community. Um, it's got a. It's got a really cute uh, downtown. Um, and uh, there are actually a hotel. There's a hotel and uh, a uh, a um, some dorm rooms going up uh, really close by. So uh, you know it's poised to to be. Uh, I think it's po- It makes this to be more of a potential to be successful for sure um what you know we're a small pub uh we do have um i think we have about 18 beers on tap so that's not bad um but um, um and we also do some handcrafted sodas and that sort of thing but and, uh, yeah and how how long is it open then because this this has I, been open since 2017, I believe, the brewery oh. opened. And like when I when I joked about closing stuff down, COVID shut so many breweries down. This yeah. one almost got shut down before uh, uh, because of COVID from the original owner, and uh, was rescued by the um, people who I purchased it from. So uh, there was a couple of really shaky years there, um, and so the two breweries that I was talking about, uh, one the one in Mobile and then Rocket Republic. Rocket still kind of exists, but uh, COVID really messed both of those breweries up. So it wasn't me. <laughs> That's the story, anyways. You, at least you have an alibi anyway, or something. That's right. I, got, I got an excuse. <laughs> so you're so you're there then. Yeah. So you like I said, you you started there just to help you doing the brewing, and now you yeah. decided to take the yeah. big leap and and. Yeah, I did. And uh, so I got a buyout from Yellowhammer um, a year ago, a little over a year ago. And so it, it made it so it was financially feasible right. for me to buy it. And I, I think it's poised to, to be successful. Right. And yeah, is it, like you said, it's, it's a growing town. Is it like if you've college dorms and that, is it a young community? Like it is not a young community yet, but I will say that, the, that, um, Decatur really, really supports this local brewery, which is another one of the, this is the, the main reason I bought it is because there, it, it comes with a building clientele, which not every brewery, you know, can have that. Um, and so, and it's right downtown. Um, like yesterday was the first day we opened under my ownership and, uh, you know, people were here at, while we opened the doors. So, right. Uh, and you're talking about anywhere between in their twenties to forties, fifties. So, okay. uh, but there is, there is a small arts college nearby. And so that, and, and there is another community college nearby. And so they are building dorms. So, um, 
you know, we don't want any youngsters here, but uh, we should get some, you know, er, er, early 20s and that sort of thing. Proud right. Be well. right. And it, 18 taps, are they all your beer? Yep. Yeah, we're not allowed to have anything. We're not allowed to have guest taps the way that mm -hmm. they're structured right now. There's ways to go around it, but we're also considered a production brewery, so we do ship some kegs out. So if we wanted to have guest taps, we would we would have to shut that down. We wouldn't be able to have any package like like bottles or cans or anything like that. Wouldn't be able to sell growler, growlers to go or anything. So that's okay. what the law set up. I, I just keep coming it's, across great yeah. shows from everywhere. Like over yeah. here, it's, well, you, you can have a tap room over here. It's next to impossible to get a tap room in the first place. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose swings. But it's it's mad some of the rules. Yeah, it is. It all boils down to one thing, and that is somebody wants to collect money from the breweries. You know? Yeah, and or and and also, loopholes. They don't, they, there's no loopholes. It's you got you got to you got you got to jump over hurdles to do it, and they want to collect. Just like this morning, I had to write out a nice hefty check to the health department. So it's you know they all yeah, want a little and, cut. And yeah, and if it's not yeah taking taxes, then it's someone else has a. Yeah has a monopoly of or some group has a monopoly they're protecting so 18 taps so then what, what are you brewing right now i'm not i'm not brewing anything but i can go over what all my tap i have a i have a belgian dark strong i have a double ipa i have a hazy ipa i have a mexican lager um which has a lime uh which has actual lime puree in it um i have a, a hellas um a dunkel um I have a, a pineapple sour. Uh, I have a a, uh, I have a, a I'm get ready to release a Maybach. I have a um, did I say a Baltic porter? I have a Baltic porter and a regular porter and a tr Belgian triple and a Belgian quad and there are probably a few that I'm missing. Right, that so, is uh, <laughs> yeah, that that's a wide range for one brewery. Yeah, it one is. Yeah, we we pride ourselves on uh, and what. What sells then? Like, do you have any there that don't sell, or do they all? Do you try and balance it out so that they're all selling at some rate, or do you think you could? Do you think you could do with a smaller tap thing and you know tap range? Yeah, and would be yeah happy? not a smaller. I, I, I could actually probably add a couple of taps. Um, the biggest sellers are uh, we have we have the, the our flagship beers, which are Space Al, the Hazy IPA, which is one that was our biggest seller yesterday. Um, and we have our Lechuza Mexican Lager. I would say that's number three. The uh, River City Lager is probably number two. And that one is the, uh, it's a hell, basically a Hellas. Um, and then we have a Porter. Um, and I wouldn't say that's one of our, that's probably one of our top six sellers. We have a uh, called One Shoe Porter. And that one is another one we keep on year round. People would, will, will uh, they'll riot if we don't have it. Uh, but um, uh, we also have a mug club, so uh, that's an exclusive tap for uh, mug club members. Um, right now, the the, um, the Belgian quad is on that for the mug club. Um, and once once every month, I release a, a new beer, and uh, that's exclusive for the mug club until until the um, the next month and if there's any if there's any left it goes to the you know every, everybody goes into the tap room but okay how does that work they so so you buy the mug yeah or 50 bucks and uh and then we we that you have your mug that is your mug then we keep it up 
I'll show it to you real quick. Can you can you see him? Let me see. If, can you see him? Yep. Yep. See him there. Yeah. Yep. So so those are your mug. That's your mug. You've got a. It's a number. You come in. You buy. You take the mug. They fill it for you. Like you, you get. You don't get a discount because because Alabama doesn't allow discount discounted beers. If you get discounted beer, everybody has to get the discount. But right. but they don't say you can't just have an exclusive beer. So only. Only the mug club gets that beer off the tap wall for one month. And then we wash it, the, the mug, we set it back up. And at the end of the year, you get your mug. Um, and then we have special pop-up events and that sort of thing for, for the mug club members. Okay. But, but it's a one-off annual payment. It's not like a subscription or... Right. It's not a subscription. But we, we can run it a little bit like a subscription because we if we have the events, then we charge for the events. So it's not really a subscription so much, but it is. It does give us opportunity to create a little bit more revenue on special events that, uh, and then it's, it's an it's an exclusive event. So, and it also obviously creates a community then around. Yeah. Right. I guess is the main the main benefit of it. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm still fascinated. So, like between your, I, I'm still fascinated a bit, I suppose, about the clientele though the range of clientele, like with that range of beer yeah. caps from the sours to, to that, it seems like, do people come in and they stick on one tap or do they kind of, are people very adventurous in trying out the different beers there or is it like separate groups of people? That's a good question. Um, you know, to be honest, I'm not sure. And I've only ever worked the tap room a couple of times. I would need to ask the tap room manager that right. um, and he's not here. Um, it, it, by judging on how fast everything moves, uh, you know, and it, it's obviously seasonal, seasonal because darker beers will move better in the winter yeah. than they do during the summer. Um, but uh, sometimes I'm just shocked at how fast we run through the beer. Now we do have an interesting, I, I do have a one barrel brew house in addition to a five barrel brew house. So I'm able to crank out a lot of just small batch stuff, which is okay. fine, which is what makes it kind of homebrew. Um, um, I, I enjoy brewing and I enjoy, you know, plugging in old recipes and, 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 and releasing them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I know that there are some people who need to come in and they get River City Lager every time. And if, if we didn't have it, they, they, they probably wouldn't, right. wouldn't come back, you know, so. And yeah. And so how do you decide what you're going to brew next? Is it going to be just what you feel like, or do you have a poll of people? Your customers are so um what what i do is i i'm a see i like to brew seasonally um so i so right now i'm doing uh, a lot of you know lighter style beers even some heavier he, even if they're higher grabs like i have the belgian triple on right now um i i don't have a poll but i do want to start that and i really want to start something of that with the mug club members um and uh so but there's no poll right now it's basically just what whatever i want to brew um, but what I am going to do is I'm going to start um, as soon as I have the next event with the mug club, I'm going to probably pick out like three beer styles and have a piece of paper. Each one gets to write down which one they want or they can write in something. Um, and then I'll probably choose that. So that still gives me a little bit of control over it because I'll say, well, these are the three beer styles I, I want to brew, which ones. And it gives them the feeling of having some control as well. Yeah. yeah. And how many people are in there? Um, we have 50 people. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I wouldn't want it any larger than that, just because we're not that big of a we're, we're really pretty small establishment, 
And okay. so uh, larger than that, it starts to get, you start losing some, just too many people, you know, probably start <laughs> food and anything else. Right. Yeah. How much food, like how big is food in relation to what are is it like? Maybe we don't here? serve food pers here personally. We don't have a restaurant. We do have food trucks. Um, so, uh, and there's, and, and it's not really set up to have a restaurant at the way we, the way it is now, uh, that may change at some point in time. Uh, but, uh, food trucks, when we have food trucks, it, it definitely increases our sales. And, right. you know, I would like okay. to just have snacks if we could, but we're still working on that. Right. But people are coming to you. So just for the beer, they're not coming right. for, yep. right. Oh, that, that's pretty good. Yeah. Especially when you say like, if, if, you know, it sounds like a really loyal kind of clientele. People. Yeah, we do have a, we do have a, a loyal clientele. I would say that for sure. Right. Some of them think they own the place. I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> wait, till, wait till you start asking their their opinion about beers. <laughs> um. So anyway, I'll just throw out there again. If anybody has any questions, because um, we'll be letting Keith go pretty soon because he's been generous in the time. But we have another few minutes, I think. Um. Yeah. So, what is what's the what what is the BRC now in Alabama? Like, where has it come in the last ten years? Well, yeah, you know, uh, it's it's definitely changed. I think there's still actually room for growth, uh, and it's been interesting because I was, you know, one of the forerunners of on the vanguard of of the beer scene in Alabama. So I have watched it change a lot, um, but um, you know, I, I think Alabama is. Uh, I, I don't want to sound harsh, but it's 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 behind the rest of the country as far as um, as far as the beer scene goes. So what's popular um, on the West Coast doesn't hit us for a few years later. So um, uh, I think that um, uh, there, there, so I, I think that there's room for more breweries. Um, like we're the only brewery indicator, and I'd like to stay that way. That'd be great, but. Uh, but the, on the other hand, there are, have been a, there have been a bunch of breweries that have that have failed as well. Um, but that's it. You know, I would say that the breweries that have failed, um, the percentage is smaller here than it is around the rest of the country, just because the, the per capita amount of people per brewery is 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 still pretty high. Right. So, and is but, it, don't, it, but don't come to Alabama and open a brewery. That's not that's not. <laughs> <laughs> or, or pick a terrible distributor if you do. Yeah, right. If you do, pick a bad distributor. <laughs> but uh, so I, I guess in terms of like overall the whatever it is, I think it's about like craft beer in America is now about twenty percent of the market. Is it? Yeah, we never in, in Alabama. Or is it lower? I I would say it's lower, but um, you know that. I'm not exactly sure what the numbers are. Um, I would need to talk to the Brewers Guild what what that yeah. is right now. Um, but uh, I will say that there are people who won't drink a that won't drink a a, a, a Budweiser, or a Michelob Light, or a Michelob Ultra. There's plenty of people that would turn their nose up to that. Uh, so there are a lot of beer snobs here, and uh, uh, the difference is is that um, you know now. When I first started brewing here, you'd have to go. You had to go to Tennessee just to get any kind of beer selection. There was like, you know, you could get, like I said, under six percent in some imports and stuff. But, but uh, now you can get anything. You can get just about anything here. Um, and last time I was in, I went to. Uh, we were in Chicago last year, and I looked through the. And that, you know, they had definitely some local beers that you couldn't get here. But 
everything else, I was like, ah, it's not, you know, you, you can get that in Alabama now. So, right. Well, it sounds like, I mean, you're producing an awful lot of that yourself. I, I'm still, you know, you're going from the Sours to the, the Belgians yeah. and, you know, it's not all West Coast or hazy IPAs. Yeah. It's, no, and you know, that, that's true. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, I'm not a big sour. I don't like sours. I do them because there's a, there's a market for it. Um, so, uh, but they are, and what I'm using is some people might be familiar with called uh, Philly sour. So it's a, it's actually a yeast that produces lactic acid. It's not, it's not bacteria. Okay. And so it, and so it creates a, an, uh, it's very pleasant, mild acidity. And then it's just like, like regular Saccharomyces, it can be killed by, parasitic acid or, or whatever it's not like Britannomyces or yeah. the, the, the struggle that, that struggles under sanit, sanit, regular sanitization so but that's what I've been using for all of my sour beers right now and it works really well um, I don't have any barrel program sours I mean I'm just not a sour beer guy so right. any kind of since you mentioned barrels any kind of barrel aging for stouts or anything like that? i do yeah we have uh, an imperial stout uh called memento mori that uh we we age in um some whiskey barrels i actually just got i actually just received two angels envy barrels that i'm going to be filling here shortly um they're freshly dumped and um uh but yeah we uh, i did one for christmas uh uh it was a memento mori um it was aged on cacao nibs, vanilla, or something else. Can't remember right offhand, but uh, it was it was aged in the whiskey barrel. That's what the other thing was. Right. And uh, and so uh, this year coming up, this year my, one of my big goals is to start doing some uh, hand bottling and bottle conditioning. So I'm going to be doing uh, a lot of Belgian bottle conditioned beers, 500 milliliter bottles, um, and then I would like to do the Memento Mori, and we have a barley wine. Um, uh, Tempest Fugit, that uh, we would like to do those t- as well. Right. So, so that's, yeah. So, yeah, I, I keep coming back to the fact that, you know, you, you do this really, really wide range for. I like a lot of different styles. Small, you know, but, but it's for like what you're saying, you know, like it's a small brewery. It's not. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But even and, at Yellowhammer, I, I, I brewed a, a wide range of beers. I focused on German style and Belgian styles. But um, but I did brew a lot. I I think I'm known as the locally as you know one of the brewers that likes to brew a bunch of different styles. Right. And I, I brew some. I brew some. I you know I I I want to get a, a. I'm looking to get in the next uh, month or so a beer engine and start doing cask. So, okay. Jeez, so yeah, I'm looking to do that um, as soon as possible. Actually. So then you're basically like whatever you are now. 10, 15, no, you said 97, you started home brewing, was it? 1996, right, 96. So you're nearly 30 years into since you started brewing. It doesn't sound like you kind of got bored of it at all. No, I know. It's uh, it kind of got in my bones. <laughs> <laughs> and is it just the creativity or, or, do you, or is it just seeing people drink the beers afterwards like that gives you the buzz or... I think the thing about brewing is, is there's always something, it's a challenge and it's always something new to learn. I mean, it's, it's, it's a science and an art and uh, you know, the science part of it makes it continuously interesting and the art part of it makes it so that you always have something fresh to apply to your canvas. And right. so, um, and, and I, I got, I, I got into it and I just never been able to get out of it. So even had a rough time whenever I left Yellowhammer, I didn't know if I was going to do it or not anymore. And I just, I got I got sucked back in. So, 
And is there anything you, you haven't brewed yet that you really want to or that you're planning to? Um, I can't really think of anything. I, you know, I, I said all about the sours and, and I, it, once I run through some of these barrels, I might do, um, I might actually do a, a Solera or something with, with, um, a couple of barrels. So I do want to, I do want to do some wine. Um, we have a, we have our manufacturer's license. I have to get with the feds. So I would like to do some wine just for, uh, in-house, um, which isn't beer of course, but, but so I'm kind of interested in that. And I had done a, I've done some distilling as well. Um, I actually opened Yellowhammer's Distillery and started all of that. Um, I'm not a big fan of doing the actual distilling. However, um, if we ever get the, the capacity, I might I might run something like that. that. One of the nice things about the manufacturing licenses in Alabama is they do allow you to do all three. You can run a distillery, a winery, and a brewery out of the same location. So that's right. one of the, that's one of the freedoms that we do have. <laughs> right. You just can't sell it to anybody after. Right. <laughs> Not make any money off of it anyways. <laughs> yeah. right. You can't make any money. <laughs> yeah, that, that's forbidden. It's written into the contract. That's right. So um, so where are you going then? Like you like said, you yesterday you, was your first day under your... Yeah, the first day we were open uh, legal. I mean, we were, we were not open illegal. I you know, make, make that clear. But it was the first day we were actually open with insurance. Um, and then the health department came and decided that we needed to have some more license. So luckily they worked with us and I was able to go get that cleared up today. And uh, so we're, we are ready to roll. So is it going to be, do you have a big party planned or have you a already? Party? No, I, we, you know, the thing is, is that they did a big rebranding last year and it was right after I came on board. So it's, this is kind of old hat for me already. I mean, okay. the thing is, is I, I've already feel like I've been running the brewery. The old, the former owners um, were not interested in the brewery very, and that's why I guess why they gave they sold it to me on a pretty good deal, and th they wanted to make sure it was taken care of, and they knew that I would that I would do that. So, um, so it, it, it's not a whole lot different outside of that. I got all the everything's coming out of my 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 checking account now, you know. But outside of that, it's the same. Yeah, and the people know you there and that, so you're yeah, not right. just a new face coming in. Yeah. Right. Well, um, okay, I'm going to give one more shout because we still have a few people here. If you have any last questions, because I think we're going to leave Keith go because he's been pretty generous with his time. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, you know, just the journey that you, you've gone, like, I mean, that jump and then sticking at it through through times you you weren't 100 percent sure yeah. Like it, it yeah, i think it was i think i won alabama brewmaster of the year in 2017 and boy I, you know I, and then i couldn't believe it whenever you know whenever it, the, the way i ended up leaving Yellowhammer, i didn't think i was ever going to leave there but uh so yeah it's been one heck of a journey i will say that it's been it's it's been interesting but yeah you know, it i love it so it's it's yeah, I, I am proud to be you know owner and and sole proprietor down here right now. So I'm looking and forward sounds, to yeah, moving into the next. Go ahead. Next ten years. Yeah, it sounds like you've uh, you're in a good position and a good with a good location and a good. Brewery. That being said, everybody wants to buy it. Like it's for sale. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a price. <laughs> always. All right. Well, listen, Keith. Um, best of luck with it. Um, thanks a million hey, for friend. your time. I appreciate um, it. Um, really enjoyed the chat. Um, it was, I know it was nothing about brewing in Alabama, so I even learned technicalities and legal stuff that I didn't yeah, expect. Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, if you ever want to chat again, just let me know.
will do. We'll do. Um, best of luck, so on the the new the new venture. And um, yeah, we'll talk to. Looks like nobody has questions. We do still have people watching us though, so you we're um, we're entertaining some people anyway. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, Keith. Um, I'll finish up there. I'll let you go. And um, right, well, once again, thanks a million for your time. That was fun. I appreciate it. Brilliant. Thanks a million. Take care. Bye. Uh,